Bartholomea of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast is offering a code for her Like Father Like Daughter trade paperback Kickstarter. If you comment hashtag legendary ladies on the Kickstarter and back up the project at any level, you can pick up a free comic from their store, which has about 50 titles. To back this Kickstarter, visit supergirlradio.com and click on Kickstarter at the top right side of the page. If you are able, please support this creative endeavor from one of our own at DCTV Podcasts. Radio Rebirth, your source for the DC comic series called Supergirl Rebirth. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss and review Supergirl number 17, which was written by Steve Orlando and Jody Hauser, with art penciled by Robson Rocha and Julio Ferreira, inked by Daniel Enrique and Julio Ferreira, and colored by Michael Atia. The description for this issue reads, quote, Plain Sight Part 3. While Kara's worried about whether Ben Rubel will ask her or rival Belinda Z to the National City Tech High School dance, Director Bones from the DEO figures out what high school Supergirl attends and crashes the annual party. Will the danger and destruction be enough to finally force Kara to reveal her superheroic secret ID? Unquote. So that's the big description for Supergirl 17, a very uh, lengthy description in terms of sentencing structure. Uh, that really made me go out of breath for a second. Um, <laughs> but uh, so a lot of stuff did happen in Supergirl number 17. And I guess what we could start first talking about, um, uh, even though the description didn't really mention it as much, but it be it was a, a big portion of the issue is that Supergirl and Decelia, who we met previously, who also apparently goes by the name Star Shame, they have a big fight. So, uh, Morgan, what did you think about uh, seeing this big fight and learning more about Decelia's backstory? That was really interesting because I remember, I think what we were talking about in the last issue was that I thought Decelia was like this well-established DC comic (laughs) character. And you're like, no. And I was like, cool. Um, But I like that her name was Starshame. Um, That was sort of her alternate name. I guess her like shamed name i don't know (laughs) i I was confused about that too because i didn't know if it was her last name or if the judge had given her the name it seemed like the judge had given her the name because i think at one point she said like she said something like they called me star shame and i just like how petty that makes her society like not only were (laughs) they gonna banish her but they were like and also your name is stupid now enjoy (laughs) and then like she was like fine i accept this stupid name and i'll use it sometime (laughs) That was very unclear to me. Uh, very confusing. So I'm just going to assume that, you know, Starshame is this this name that's 
kind of her, I guess, supervillain name. So we'll go with that. I guess we can refer to Decelia as Starshame if you want. Uh, you can call her whatever you want. Uh, and I, I think she would maybe prefer that we call her Decelia. I don't know. Maybe she likes Starshame. Maybe she's like, you know what? I've just embraced it. It can't hurt me now. I'm Starshame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm taking it back and I'm making it work for me. Uh, yeah, I'm, t- I'm taking it back. Exactly. <laughs> so um, so whatever you want to call her. I also thought it was like really weird where they were they were talking about like how different like, you know, you're so you're so different. And and I know that people say that you're, you know, unsightly. They call her unsightly and cr- like a cruel abomination. But we don't know what anybody else on the planet looks like. So it just seems weird because she doesn't seem like all that crazy looking besides her weird sleeves. And I don't, I think that was like a, a more recent fashion choice. Like <laughs> That doesn't seem like something that she embraced as a child. <laughs> no, that doesn't seem to be the fashion of her home planet, which I guess is pronounced... Crossivan? 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 You know, just take a stab at what you think that is. <laughs> it's, it's whatever you need it to be. <laughs> <laughs> However you want to pronounce it. Um, but you're right. When you look at her as a little girl on that first page, she looks like just a normal little girl, like, that you would see on Earth. And also, she doesn't look any different than her parents or, like, the back of the person who's, like, sending her off into space yeah so it's like i thought it might be like a twilight zone pig person situation (laughs) (laughs) which i mean if you get that reference congratulations you've watched uh you've watched the sci-fi channel during a marathon (laughs) but (laughs) but i thought like you know maybe she looks completely normal to us but like on her planet everyone is purple with spots but Like, that doesn't seem to be the case. Her family, when we see them in this space car that they're flying in, they look nice. Yeah, they look very much like her. So I don't really get, I don't get the difference. He's like, you look a little different, but then it's never explained how she looks different at all, which (laughs) I feel like you just need like one panel that's like, like you you are you have long hair and the rest of us are pig people like that's that's all i need (laughs) yeah i think there was some stuff for me also with her backstory that i kind of needed more information because i think this whole backstory is supposed to play into her motivation and why she hates the ruling class why she goes after these people on the yacht with supergirl that's that's a big deal her motivation to go after these people needs to have a a real solid ground and the the fact that she doesn't look all that different from anybody and (laughs) I I also had um uh, my other question in addition to what she looks like is that she um so she says that uh let's see where is that panel her whole thing about the the ruling class and why she doesn't like them goes back to the fact that this judge had taken her and uh, sentenced her to be banished from her home world. Well, my question is, what if that was a justified banishment? We don't know what she did. It does seem like she might have, like, straight up killed those people who got in an accident with her parents. Yes. Which, it's like, you know, it's not great to get into an accident, but it's also not great to just go murder 
people. So like it kind of feels like a potato potato situation <laughs> where like maybe the you're right, maybe the judge was a little bit justified. But also I felt like her her like thing where it's like, yeah, the people who are in power are always gonna, you know, oppress the the people underneath them. So I'm just gonna really like go hard at this carnival cruise line <laughs> seemed to me like a, a like the decision somebody who'd maybe never been to Earth would make. <laughs> Like this, this is where, this is where all the highest classes of people on this cruise ship are. It's like, not, I don't, honey, honey. Yeah, that's really true because even within the cruise ship industry, your, your different cruise lines are going to have a different clientele. Yeah, like that. this cruise that she is breaking up definitely seems like it has a very like, family vibe where it's like you know water slides and not (laughs) caviar yeah so uh she's not really taking all of that into account so it it is kind of it's for me it's a little tough to buy into her her motivation as a villain because i have some of those questions and i i weirdly ended up feeling like feeling bad for the people on the cruise ship like here these people they probably save for months to just have a nice family vacation oh yeah they're like listen we want to sit in the pool we want to maybe read a book all you can eat shrimp 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 <laughs> like this <laughs> finally we get to relax and then she comes down and she's like you you people are all you know the high class <laughs> like oppressing all the rest of us and they're like but I saved up for fi- five months for this all-you-can-eat trip. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. And even though that Supergirl saves the ship, she fixes it. It seems like the ship is back up and running. No harm, no foul. You can carry on with the cruise. There's still, I would imagine, because I, I, my family and I are cruise people. We like to go on cruises. It's a great way to relax and, and have a good time. And uh, we, we like to be on the water. It's very peaceful. Uh, but just imagining seeing a fight between Supergirl and a supervillain wherein <laughs> they crash into our ship, that could leave a lot of trauma behind. It could uh, have a lot of consequences for inside the workings of the <laughs> ship. What if that affected the ability to create that shrimp buffet? I know. I feel like you're you're not going to go to the comedy show that night and just like really be able to let loose and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> The onboard psychiatrist is really going to have so much work cut out for them. <laughs> I feel so bad for these people on the cruise ship. So much therapy. So hopefully the maybe get maybe they'll get a refund. Maybe they get a voucher at least. Maybe they'll be able to turn something in to get another cruise. Maybe try again where there's not a super villain attack. I feel like there's probably like a whole voucher industry for like things that Supergirl has accidentally ruined. <laughs> like cruises and sporting events, school dances. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think that that would be a great industry to go into if it that I mean, there would be a need for it supply and demand. Exactly. Somebody could get into that if there were if there was a hole that needed to be filled there. Um, yeah, so I the one thing I did think was good about we sort of talked about how there were some things maybe I didn't buy as much, but there was something in this issue that I was like, Oh, that makes more sense to me. I am totally buying what's happening on this page. So there's uh, a, on page 12, there's a situation where 
they need to wipe Starshame's memory when she's up against Supergirl. And so uh, they uh, the DEO uses something called the uh, atomized amnesium. <laughs> and there is a panel where it actually shows that happen- that's happening, like it affects her neck. I think we talked about that before where we were kind of confused about what was happening with her neck. Well, in this issue, it ha- like it sort of busts open out of her neck and this gas comes out and it's this like uh, memory erasing, uh, not powder, but it's kind of like this gas that comes out and I guess erases her memory. And in the panels, I buy it. I even like when I was reading it, I sort of heard like a like a canister popping sound where like the the gas comes out and affects her and the way it's drawn and her reaction to it. I was like, oh, well, even if it didn't work for me in a past issue where I didn't understand what was going on with her neck, I kind of buy into it now. So I did think that there was something good about that in terms of filling in those gaps of what I didn't understand about Decelia. Yeah, I did think that that was really cool because it did explain... I think we had we had questioned that in the past issue, like what is happening, and it really did it, it like illuminated that, and it's also kind of like a cool idea that they can like just shoot off these like memory wipe pellets. Yeah, there's a lot of memory alteration that goes on uh, with uh, Director Bones and his DEO people. They like to play around with people's memories, and it's not cool. Not cool, Director Bones. Director Bones, we've talked about this. He just uh, he thinks that's the way to go, and I don't know if his uh. His plan is working as well as he would like it to be uh, working. And so I guess that maybe that's a good segue. Maybe not the best segue, but it's an okay segue to get into talking about Director Bones. So uh, we got to see a lot more Director Bones in this issue, Morgan. What are your thoughts? Did we? Yeah. Well, there was some... Um... <laughs> well, maybe, 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 not, maybe not a lot. Maybe that's... Uh... I mean, Saying to me, a, a lot would be like an all bones issue, which I, I I feel like we should have. True, true. I guess maybe we only got uh, a certain page that seemed really juicy to me. Maybe that's why I think we got a lot of bones. Yeah, there was definitely some good stuff in that page. He was he was gesturing. He was angry. There was a lot of like a lot of bones finger action, but he didn't touch anybody with his cyanide sweat. No, not <laughs> yet. I feel like that's coming though. Because he seems to be threatening this Mokari guy who's been working for him. And even in this issue, there's a really great uh, panel on page eight where he's hovering his skeleton hand over the guy's head. And it looks like the shadows of his bony fingers are on the top of his head. He is so close. That cyanide sweat is just dripping. <laughs> he is so close to dipping his toe back into his supervillain past and wiping this guy out. I just, I feel like it's coming. You can tell I'm good because I have this America tie, but <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> I'm very committed to the DEO and to America, but also, did you see that poster on my wall? <laughs> <laughs> did you see what I used to rock? In the supervillain game, I used to look really great in my supervillain costume. <laughs> I used to be crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did. Uh, I did like some of the uh, director bones uh, stuff in here. We we might not have gotten uh, as much as I I would agree that uh, that I would have liked to have seen because I would like to see more of him all the time. But he he was he was pretty ticked off at this guy. Um, for screwing things up, at least in his opinion. 
Um, because what I think is really interesting about Director Bones is that he's so intent on finding Supergirl's secret identity. He wants to figure out who Supergirl is, but he doesn't want to hurt anyone in the process. So he's ticked off in this issue that Decelia, Starshame, went off the rails, uh, busted up that cruise ship, and is hurting and messing with civilians. And Director Bones uh, said, you know what, that's not part of what we're doing here. Uh, so we need to fix this. So I, I did think that that was an interesting dichotomy for him, that he's he's doing some nefarious things, but he's still like, maybe maybe don't kill people. Maybe don't uh, hurt people on their cruise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, listen, we're going to do some stuff, and it's going to be shady, and it's going to be great, and we're going to have fun, but let's not, <laughs> let's not kill anybody. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know what, I, I respect that, Director Bones. That's definitely taking, like, a big leap back from his history <laughs> he's he's at least trying to improve somewhat he is on that self-improvement plan he's been <laughs> reading them books <laughs> he is trying to be a better bones <laughs> so uh we also in this issue got a lot of Kara, got a lot of car a lot of car danvers and we got some ben in this issue so um Kara has a decision to make the big deal in her life right now, aside from the whole like fighting star shame with the cruise ship and all that. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Um, and the, you know, fighting off the DEO who's trying to figure out who she is. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's big deal. That's big stuff. But also there's a school dance that she needs <laughs> to decide on whether or not she needs to go to uh, uh, and attend along with her friends. So what did you think about Kara in this issue and, and her, deciding factor on the dance i liked the dance stuff in this issue i th i think that this issue was definitely felt like more of a um a, an even mix between supergirl and cara danvers and so i liked seeing um i liked seeing cara in this issue and uh seeing her kind of struggle with like how do i balance being supergirl and also being a teenager in this high school where like there's this guy and he maybe wants to ask me out, but like if, if I uh, go out with him, is a super villain going to crush him or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just normal teenage stuff that everybody worries about. I thought it was a nice uh, insight to her character. Cause we get, uh, you know, I've said this a lot, but we get a lot of Supergirl in this, in these issues, which, you know, it's Supergirl story, but we don't get a lot of car Danvers. So I'm excited whenever we get like a little bit of insight into her in school and her friends and like her outside life. Yeah, I really liked seeing Kara in this issue. We uh, we got some good stuff with Eliza. I really liked her fireside chat is what I'm going to call it because they, <laughs> they, they, they chat uh, alongside the fire. Um, and so they have, they have a chat where Kara is talking to her like a daughter would to a mother. Like, I'm having this problem. What would you advise me to do? And I think Eliza gives her some pretty good advice because Kara mentions that she's finding the ability to find balance between Kara Danvers and Supergirl to be very difficult. She's having a really hard time figuring out how to make that work. She even says, um, I think I thought this was a great line. She says, Kara says, it feels like having two identities means they just steal time from each other. Ooh, I like that. When you think about that, that's really true. When she's being Supergirl, she can't be Kara Danvers. When she's Kara Danvers, she can't be Supergirl. And so there is that struggle between how do I balance that out in my life and and 
go to those responsibilities with those other identities that I need to pay attention to because sometimes she's going to need to be Kara and other times she's going to need to be Supergirl. So how does she make that work? And I don't envy that problem at all. (laughs) Um, That would be really difficult to uh, navigate. And so Eliza just says, you know what? Sometimes you need to be Kara. Sometimes you need to put your own happiness first. It's great when you can go out and be Supergirl and save the day. But maybe sometimes Kara needs to have, <laughs> Kara ha- needs to have some Kara time. <laughs> so I liked that she gives her that um, that motherly advice. And I think Eliza's coming into her own and, and figuring out how to, because I think in the earlier issues of Rebirth, Eliza and Jeremiah were having difficulty figuring out how to be parents to Kara, because Kara was struggling to figure out how to, be with these two people and be their daughter. And so I think now they've started to kind of figure those things out. And so I really like seeing more of Eliza and and Cara together. I really like that scene as well. I think it was um, one or two page. I think it was just one page, but it really, it made a huge impact. I think getting to see scenes of Cara and um, Eliza and her adoptive parents really talking about things and turning to each other is um, is really nice for establishing both of those characters. Yeah, I think it really helps Cara decide what to do about the dance. And I, I'm still kind of conflicted on because uh, it's been established that neither of us love love triangles. <laughs> and so it did seem to play that up, I think, a little bit in this issue where Cara initially turns Ben's invite down to go to the dance because initially he's just like hey do you just want to go as friends because kids kids and teenagers in high school they do that sometimes you just go and hang out with your friends um and so she turns him down because she she thinks she can't you know uh spend that time being cara danvers and so it seems like ben and belinda are maybe going to go with each other instead so um the the description for this issue mentions that belinda is a rival do you see that being the case (laughs) like not at all belinda seems like she's kind of like wants to be friends with cara is very nice to cara and there definitely does seem to be like a a sense that belinda has a little bit of a thing for ben uh, but it doesn't seem like it is a very dramatic, like, rivalry uh, situation going on. They're not fighting each other. Belinda and Carr are not fighting for his affections. It's a very strange description, yeah. Uh, which continues the trends of uh, weird descriptions as it pertains to Supergirl stories. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought the dance stuff in here was really good. I really loved the art with the dance because everything seemed uh, you know, it looked like it was inside. And of course, you know the way it's drawn, it has the disco ball kind of vibe to it that a lot of high school dances <laughs> have. But everything made it seem like you know it was it was starlight. It was very beautiful. I thought. And um, I really liked getting to see these characters, you know, in their fancy dress um, clothes where, you know, Ben got a, a, a new haircut. He has an awesome suit on and Cara has this really pretty dress on and Belinda looks great. Like they all cleaned up very well when they went to this dance. So I, I really enjoyed seeing all of that. Yeah, I really like that the, the panels in what page is it? Page 20, where you see like Ben is at the dance and Kara is at the dance, and they're in two separate panels and like different parts of the dance, but they both look like they're next to each other. I thought that that was cool and kind of like the way that they're 
overlapping some of the other panels. It was a, like a really neat effect that they did. Yeah, and I think it's uh, cool that the color that they chose to go with for these uh, for this wardrobe choices uh, for these characters. Um, they're sort of complementary. They sort of match without, I guess, meaning to. Um, and so I, I do I do think that that uh, combination of those panels is really, really well laid out. So I guess in terms of the art, we sort of talked about the art a little bit. Were there was was there anything else that stood out to you about this uh, this issue in terms of the art? Let me see. Well, obviously, director Bones just got to give it a shout out. <laughs> Always a big fan. Um, but I also liked um what panel was that? Now I'm not going to be able to find it. Oh, I think I like the panel where they're fighting. Oh yeah, it was page eleven where um. Decelia and Supergirl are fighting and Decelia kind of like elbows Supergirl right in the face with her weird sleeves <laughs> and uh, it's a uh, and you see in the next panel it's sort of overlapping panel that they like fell into this island but it kind of looks like th- with the lines like the the action lines that they're showing you exactly where they fell <laughs> like it's kind of like coming off of her off of the action it's like and then they went right there (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would also include page 10 in that i think page uh 10 and 11 both do a really good job of combining the background image with the smaller panels to convey what's happening to show you what's actually going on in the action and i i think that that was um, I thought that was really well done because it gave you um some sense of where they were and where they were going so i would agree with that for me, I really liked um, the stuff on page nine, like all of page nine, I thought was really fantastic of Supergirl fixing the ship and uh, getting in there and saving people. And there was some stuff that I thought was really interesting at the bottom of page nine. There's a middle panel where you sort of see that the cruise ship is on its side. Oh, yeah. And I, I kept trying to think, why? why is it like that? Why is it tilted like that? And then I started to realize... Oh, is that Supergirl's perspective when she's in the water? Like, is that what's happening? (laughs) Because the previous panel right before that, she's in the water fixing the ship. Like, she's underwater. Yeah, that's true. And then I think she comes up out of the water and she's looking at the ship to see if it's fixed. And so I thought that was kind of a neat way... That's how I read that. I like. I think that's Supergirl's perspective of her like floating in the water, looking at the ship to see if it's okay. Um, so I thought that, that it's a small panel, but I, I thought that that was a really cool way to go about that. Um, uh, there was also a, a small panel on page seven um, that was a close up of Decelia's face. We get a really good look at uh, at Star Shame there. Just the, the contrast of the colors with the black and the white, with her her black lipstick and the black mask and her hair and everything, and just those details on her face. She just looks so scary. Um, I thought that, that really really popped out of the page. Um, and there's also I, I really really liked the art in this issue. Uh, so uh, if you'll bear with me, I just have a couple of other things that I want to point out that I really liked about it. Um, so page seventeen, I have it in my notes, but I want to look at it while we're talking about it. Um, so we kind of didn't talk about this, but there there's part of the story is that. Agent Ocampo of the DEO, her mission that Director Bones has sent her to this high school 
to do is to figure out Supergirl's secret identity. And so she is trying to figure out what's going there. She thinks that she might have it figured out, um, but she's conflicted on whether or not to pursue this because Supergirl once saved her life. And so she's she's having a lot of trouble with this uh, this mission and what she's being told to do. And I think page 17 does a really, really, for me, it did a really good job of showing her conflict. And uh, I could really sense the emotions that were going on with her and how frustrated she was and how sad she was about having to do this. Yeah, that was one of my favorite panels in the whole issue as well. Yeah, I think it really... Uh, nailed the emotions of everything. And I, I really could identify with Ocampo and what she was feeling uh, just just from some of those panels, like uh, especially the, the one at the uh, sort of the, the bottom right where she's like in, it's a black and white image and she's got her head, you know, in her, you know, she's holding her forehead, I guess, just out of frustration and not knowing what to do. And I, I, I was very impacted by that because it, you didn't have to say a lot to uh, to really show what she was thinking and what she was going through. Um, and all of the stuff of Kara, uh, there were a lot of close-ups of Kara's face in this issue. And again, I think that really connected me to Kara and what she was going through and what she was thinking and what she was feeling in this issue. And that's one of the things I really liked about uh, Supergirl number 17 is that I felt really connected to Kara. And, and uh, some of these issues in Rebirth, I just kind of... I was reading it. Yeah, it's a Supergirl story. Yeah, Kara sometimes shows up. But in this one, I felt like I was really there with Kara. And I think those those close-ups and those uh, particular ways that those panels were drawn where we got to see uh, Kara's face, I think that does a lot to um, to help me uh, dive into Kara's characters that, you know, just can, can, it's a weird thing to think about. But just connecting with her face and her emotions and, and the things that are happening on her face that that does a lot for me um, because I can uh, identify with what she's going, uh, what's going on in her brain. Um, and I should also point out, because this is very important, that on page nineteen, uh, Eliza Danvers, there's a very clear depiction of her missing right hand. <laughs> that is very true. You can't miss it. It is very clear. If you were if you were questioning it before, you're like, I don't know. I don't really see it. It's it's very much there. If you're like, listen, you guys are crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. Guess what? <laughs> Guess what? Guess who's right again? <laughs> <laughs> so it's very, very clear on that page. And what I thought was really interesting was that on page 19, Eliza makes mention of human hands needing to be careful around fires. And and she says this because Kara needs to put up the facade that she's a human. So Kara can't just put her hand in the fire because a, a real, you know, an actual human would burn their hand. And so she has to think about that kind of stuff. You know, Kara needs to use the poker instead of just reaching in there with her hand. Um, and so I started to wonder, because we haven't gotten the backstory on how this has happened to Eliza, could that have played into her backstory? I don't know. Um, so it was just something that uh, stood out to me. And it's so fitting that we would read this issue right after an ins uh, instance on Twitter that we got some information from Steve Orlando. Um, he actually addressed the uh, hand uh, controversy, I guess. Is it a controversy or mystery? I think mystery is a, is a better word. We've just been wondering... What's going on? 
We just have a lot of questions. And <laughs> the way it came about, I uh, got to give a shout out to new Rachel on Twitter, is that she um, responded to our tweet about our previous discussion. And that ended up uh, replying to Steve Orlando, who had been tagged in that tweet. And uh, so he wrote back because uh, new Rachel was wondering if we would ever figure out what had happened to Eliza's hand. And Steve Orlando actually said, uh, this was his tweet, quote, perhaps in the future, sure. Eliza was based off a congenital amputee from home that doesn't use a prosthetic since he feels he's equally able and doesn't need anything but the body he was born with, unquote. So that's uh, Steve Orlando's uh, inspiration for what's going on with Eliza Danvers. Now, we still don't know how Eliza Danvers uh had gotten that way, what was the incident that maybe put her in that situation? Was she born with it um, or, or did it happen to her? So we don't know the information, but at least it's kind of cool to know why that choice was made because Eliza Dammers on the CW's uh, Supergirl TV series doesn't have that, uh, doesn't have that issue. She, she, she has both of her hands. So it is very much a, a, a choice that in the comic, they chose to go this route with Eliza Danvers because it is a departure of what we've seen from Eliza previously. So it's kind of cool for me, at least, to know uh, the the choices behind that. Um, so uh, it it seems like that we could maybe find out in the future if somebody wants to pick up that story, some writer in the future wants to go there, maybe we could learn that information. But um, as of right now, we still don't know. Interesting. And it doesn't sound like we're going to get a, we're going to get that backstory. I, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, maybe hopeful that, uh, Steve Orlando's hope for it, uh, will some, someday come to pass that maybe somebody, somebody will look at these issues and be like, huh, we never really got Eliza Danvers's backstory and why she doesn't have a right hand. Maybe someone should tell that story. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to be really hopeful about it and think that, someone will want to have that drive within them so deeply that they will tell that story. Because I think the real life story behind uh, the inspiration for this choice, I think is a really cool one. And uh, so maybe someone should tell that story. Uh, I'm just saying. So uh, Morgan, for uh, Supergirl number 17, what were your overall thoughts about this issue? Yeah, I really liked this one. I thought it was a, a nice balance of Supergirl stuff and Director Bones was there, and we got a little bit of more backstory on some of the villains, and then we ended up at a dance. That's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think w- what you had mentioned before about how this issue did a really good job of balancing Supergirl and Cara Danvers, I think that's that's a comment right on the money, because I think, it for me, it had the right action, uh, right action and romance and, and everything that needed to... Uh, balance out the story. I, I thought it did a really good job. Um, it did have some director bones. Um, there were some things that I was curious about um, that I did uh, have questions on and just things I was paying attention to. Uh, it seems like Kara uses contractions now. <laughs> In the past, there was there was this big uh, emphasis on the fact that she did not use contractions when she spoke. In this issue, she definitely did. So I don't know if that is showing her progression in terms of her speaking English or if that's just something a new writer came in and changed it up and nobody cares about it. I don't know. Uh, It was just something that I noticed. Um, I did think it was interesting that on page 14, uh, 
Laron is there briefly. He doesn't he doesn't say anything. There's nothing really um, making a big deal out of it. But I noticed that he was reading a book, and it said phonics on the top of the page. So I'm wondering if the Kryptonian werewolf is trying to learn to read. Yes, I'm guessing. So maybe Laron is taking this uh, downtime from being a werewolf, and he's trying to educate himself. Just taking a little time to himself, you know, to better himself. He's trying to be a better werewolf. He's been reading The Secret. <laughs> <laughs> he's putting out good vibes into the into the universe. So that <laughs> is maybe something maybe that will be addressed in the future. Maybe we'll get more about La- Laron's uh, f- furthering of his education on Earth. Um, and there was also something that taught me something that I did not know. Uh, Belinda mentions that she thinks it's a crime that, uh, I guess it's Elise or Lisa, uh, if it's, uh, it's Austrian Swedish. So maybe Lisa Meitner was excluded from the Nobel prize in chemistry. And I had no idea who this person was. And, uh, so I had to look her up and she was an Austrian Swedish physicist who worked on radioactivity and nuclear physics. And I think her concentration was in nuclear fission. So Hmm. I I thought that that was, uh, pretty cool to learn about. I was not aware of that history. So thank you people associated with this, uh, issue for teaching me something about chemistry because I would not have known <laughs> that otherwise because Rebecca doesn't do much in the way of chemistry. So <laughs> very cool to learn that history and how she had worked with this guy named Otto Hahn and I think Otto had gotten more of the credit than she did. Um, so it was kind of a little bit of a controversial uh, thing that came out of the Nobel Prize in chemistry. But... Uh, you know, things are the way they are. So uh, maybe maybe you could side with Belinda and say, you know what? Uh, Lisa should have had more to do with that than she was given credit for. So I think that was a, a cool thing to learn about for me personally, because I had no idea who she was and what that was about. So I like learning about history. So very cool about Supergirl 17 teaching me things. Um, Well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts on Supergirl number 17. If you've already picked up this issue, make sure to give it a rating in Comixology or your DC Comics app. And if you haven't bought it yet, Supergirl number 17 is available in the DC Comics app, the Comixology app, as well as Comixology.com. Google Play, the Nook Store, Amazon, and at readdcentertainment.com. And if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, where we also have a playlist that includes music featured on the CW Supergirl TV series. And uh, there's also a playlist, I should remind people, I think that there is a Supergirl Rebirth playlist on Spotify that was curated by Steve Orlando. So you can also probably find that as well. Uh, we are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we are available on uh, we are also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. Supergirl Radio is also part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like 
Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, and classic DC TV shows, you can subscribe <laughs> to DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. It seemed like you were going really fast and then DC TV Classics. And then I just slowed it down it was like you <laughs> stepped on the brake a little bit i was listen i was just trying so i was like let's let's just make this more interesting let's let's mix it up <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like it uh well you can follow me on twitter at derby kid and inst- and you can follow me on instagram at the derby kid and you can watch videos of mine over at youtube.com slash duck milk prod i am also a contributor to jlu podcast which you can find over at jluniverse.podomatic.com and if you want to hear me attempt some voice acting you can subscribe to a podcast called the fakest and we recently put out an episode uh, called totes hollywood And if you are curious, if you don't want to listen for me, uh, there might be another legendary lady from the Legends of Tomorrow podcast on that episode. So you should listen for her. There might be. Because she's very (laughs) funny and very good. Uh, in that episode so you should check it out um and you can find me on twitter and instagram i'm at mojotastic m-o-j-o-t-a-s-t-i-c speaking of the legendary ladies um you can also follow me uh, you can also find me even uh, as a co-host on the legends of tomorrow podcast we'll be doing another episode presumably at some (laughs) point this summer uh so watch out for that we haven't actually scheduled our next episode uh we did just do a live show that was a lot of fun Uh, a lot of people showed up even though we forgot the password to our own email account not our most shining moment so apologies (laughs) to all people who showed up at our at our live show expecting us to get start it right on time just to discover we don't know how to get into our own email um um, and you can also find me as a uh a voice on the fakest i believe i was on episode four was that the last one that yes dropped yeah so you should be able to find that see if you can spot me in there because i feel like one of my voices was kind of noticeably me and the other voice they there was definitely some like synthesizer used and I was like that was me (laughs) Uh, that podcast is crazy Um, you should definitely check it out because it's it's hysterical I'm very fortunate uh, because I don't think I'm much of an actress so it is actually nice that most of my actually I think all of my dialogue is uh has a sound effect on it so it's it's kind of nice here's the thing i can say to tease why you should listen is that rebecca's character befriends some evil cats and i think you should be more interested now (laughs) there are evil cats um in in the most recent episode totes hollywood i do some fake crying so if, if 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 you if you are interested in uh, my attempt at trying to squeeze out some fake tears and be really, I mean, it's a dramatic ending. It's a real shocking, dramatic ending. If you've been with the fakest from the beginning, shocker, big twist. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't see it coming. Uh, so I, I highly recommend it if you just want to listen to something for 22, 23 minutes and just hear a lot of zany things. Um, check it out at thefakest.com. All right. Uh, Well, I think that's going to do it for us here in this episode. So thanks for joining us as we read Supergirl Rebirth.